Praise God. Yeah, let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your presence out here. Thank you, Lord, because your Holy Spirit ministers to us and teaches us all things, things from the scriptures, things concerning us, and things about the future. Oh, Lord, because nothing is an accident, oh, Master. Nothing, our gatherings are purposeful, oh, Lord, because it's ordained by you, Father. And I pray that you will reveal your word closely and dearly to us and minister to our spirit, oh, Lord, and let our, our souls prosper and our, as our spirits prosper, O oh Master, our emotions, our mind, O oh Lord, to understand the truths of the Bible and to be established on the word of God, O oh Master. Help us and teach us, O oh Master, and reveal and show light on the scriptures, O oh Lord. Be able to understand what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in this hour. We worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Last time we spoke about a message called uh, Faith Speaks. Uh, and the messages are all there on the website, and you can actually go and listen to them. Faith Speaks was a very powerful word because it kind of uh, uh, underscores the missing link in why certain things in our life don't manifest. Uh, because if you go back and you study Romans chapter 10, it says, With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With, with your mouth, confession is made unto salvation or sotoria. See, you see, in your new covenant... After Jesus has now resurrected, we have a new covenant. We are now no longer under the law. Under the law, it doesn't care what you believe. Unless the proof is in, the, in your doing. I mean, if you don't do it, who cares what you believe? You have to do it. I mean, you have to be good. You have to love your Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I mean, you can't, you can't just, no, I, I, my intentions are good. doesn't matter. You have to love it. So you have to do it, right? I mean, you have to do everything and then you are proved justified. And you could reap the benefits of the law. But under the new covenant, God knew that the old covenant doesn't work. It's, 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 it's um, stacked against you. It's like a, it's a demonic plot. Satan uses the God's law, which is perfect, uses that against you to condemn you, to deprive you of not the blessings. He doesn't care for the blessings. He makes sure all the judgments of the law comes upon you. See how, how evil he is. See, God's law has both blessings and curses but the criteria for receiving the blessings is what under the law this is very important for you to know what is the criteria for receiving the blessings of the law obedience right doesn't make care whether you believe on it you meditated on it who cares you have to obey how much do you have to obey of the law all the law see that's the that's the key the, if you do not obey all the law, you do not get any blessing. But that's not the problem. If you do not obey all the law, you get what? All the curses. Did you ever know that? You become subject to all the curses. Israel had to take a vow and and swear on the book with the blood, saying that this is what we swear. If we don't follow everything according to the law, everything, not majority, not most of it, we were willing to take all the curses. And they swore on it. Guess what happened? Satan used that, and he used that against all of men. See, the law was against you. Law was perfect, but it's against you. So who can keep all of the law? None. None. You got it? 
So don't even start, don't take the test. Don't enter the hall room. Don't sign up for the test. You only sign up for a test, why? Because you, you're hoping that you would pass. If, you, if, no, if te somebody tells you you can never pass this test, what are, you going to, what are you going to take the test for? Why are you wasting your time? I mean, why do you want to take the test? Like why, I often use this example, why go to Saudi Arabia if you don't want to be subject to its laws? I mean, why go, right? Stay in the US, you know? Don't go to Saudi Arabia and then say, I don't like the law. Don't go there. I mean, that's the law is. The law is don't jump under the old covenant. So God says, get out of the law. But I cannot get you out of the law because you are born under the law, right? He had to rescue you out of the law. But somebody had to keep the law perfectly. Who, who was that someone? The Lord Jesus Christ. So the, only the Lord Jesus Christ could keep the law perfectly. And then what he did was, he kept the law perfectly. So what, what, what would he receive? As a man who lived perfectly under the law, what would he now receive? The blessings. No, this is very technical. This is very legal. So Jesus received what? All the blessing. So what did he do with all the blessing? He gave it to you by crediting, crediting, cr say credit. credit. He credited to you his obedience as a gift. That's very important for you. So you got his obedience as a gift, say gift. His obedience to me as a gift. So now you receive what? All the blessings, why? Because of his obedience, you receive all the blessings of the law. Now, what happened to all the curses? Because you did not keep the law, right? How do you solve that problem? I know I'm happy that I got all his blessings because he credited his obedience to you. But I have to receive all his curse, all the curses because I myself have broken the law. So what did Jesus do? He took our curses on him. And then what did he do? He credited it to you, his death. See, that's the most beautiful part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not the fact that Jesus credited to you his death. He also credited to you his obedience. So now when Satan comes and says, you have to suffer for the sin, what would you, should you say? I already died. See, Jesus credited to you his death. In Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, he put you in Jesus and gives you the credit as if you died. You suffered. You paid all the price. And you paid the price perfectly. Say perfectly. So your, your punishment is complete and perfect. So Satan cannot now come back and say, I have to exact this unfunished. So you made the sin. You did not have a good relationship with your husband. You did not. You messed up here. You did this. You divorced. You did that. You, you got angry. I say, yes, yeah, sure, I did that. But I paid the price. But you say, no, no, you never paid the price. Yes, I paid the price. Why? When I believed in Jesus, God put me in Jesus on the cross and I died. Say, I died. 
you know, I died. You cannot die anymore. Now you are on this side of the Red Sea. That is why the Lord told Israelites, he says, the enemies that you see on this side of the Red Sea, you shall never see again. This is very beautiful. Now you need to understand this. This is, this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why it's so powerful. See, when, when, the, when the plague started coming on Egypt, right? So when Israel was, uh, Israel was under, the under the plagues, so the plagues started coming. Remember, the plagues came both on Egypt and also on Israel. But Israel was protected. But the plagues came in the same land, right? But God protected them supernaturally, but it kept coming. So, so the f f one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine plagues, correct? Were they still out, out from the hands of the Egyptians, even though God was putting judgments on them? No. See, God was putting judgments on Egypt, but yet the Pharaoh wouldn't leave them. Why? Because he doesn't care. Satan is like, okay, you put judgments on me, fine, but you have to put it on your children also. So ultimately what broke his back was the blood of the lamb. See, when the lamb died, this is the key thing. Which plague got them out of the hand of the Pharaoh? Which was the plague? The death of the firstborn. What happened was, so Satan was like, he's like, he's cool. You put blood on me, I don't care. You put uh, fleas on me, I don't care. Because I know I will suffer, but your, your children are also going to suffer, right? So finally, he wouldn't let go. He, finally, he said, death of the firstborn. Guess what happened? The firstborn of Egyptians died. What happened to the firstborn of Israel? How did he die? Shannon? Didn't die. But you know what? He did die. You know who was the firstborn of Israel? The lamb, the Passover lamb. And who was the Passover lamb? Jesus. So, so that was checkmate situation. It was mutual sacrifice. You played a chess game where you have mutual sacrifice. When, when the, the queen, you exchange a queen for a queen, you have no choice and both are killed. But that's what happened. So the firstborn of Israel also died, and the firstborn of Egypt also died. The firstborn of Egypt was like a principality who was holding Israel in. He died. But guess what? The firstborn of Israel also died. But God, the Passover lamb, credited his death to Israel. So the Red Sea was a picture of the death that we go through when we believe in Jesus. Guess what? When the Pharaoh tried to cross the Red Sea, what happened to him? He couldn't cross over. Because that's a picture of what? Death. Satan cannot cross over death. He can, see, let me ask you a question. If you, have, you, are, you are guilty of capital punishment, uh, you're guilty of murder, correct? And the judge proclaims that you, you're going to be, be given the electric chair, correct? So electric chair. Is the electric chair still there? Some states, right? No? It's all injection right now? Okay. In India, they do hanging my nose still, right? <laughs> Some laws that they do? Correct. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. In, in India, I think there's a law which says that if you hang by the nose and 
the guy, you hang him, and the guy survives the noose, you cannot kill him anymore. OK, that's a very interesting law. It's actually law. So that never happens. <laughs> it shouldn't. Technically, it shouldn't. So, so suppose you are guilty of murder, and you're sentenced to lethal injection, and you die. And then you are resurrected. Now, are you, can you be put to death again? No, because he has taken the full punishment of the capital punishment. He died. So beyond the Red Sea, you, Satan cannot touch you. The Pharaoh soldiers cannot go past the Red Sea. But you could walk on dry ground. Why could you, Israel, walk on dry ground? Because they were walking on what ground? They were walking on redemption ground. You got it? They were walking on ground that was already paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was dry ground for them, but it was death for Pharaoh because Pharaoh had to also die for his sins. You got it? But Israel also died for its sins. But where was Israel's death? It was in the Passover lamb that had already died that night. See, now as believer, you should know that your death is behind you. Your punishment is behind you. Your suffering is behind you. If Jesus died once, you died once. And this is the mind that you need to arm yourself with. You got it? Okay. So now coming back to the whole point of faith speaks, right? So with your heart now in this new covenant, what you do doesn't matter. It is what you believe. With your heart, one believes unto righteousness. That means by, by with your heart, you have to believe that you are perfect and righteous in the Father's eyes. Because who credited you his righteousness? See, now you don't have to earn God's righteousness. Then you're be under the same problem like you would never have. You're trying to take a test that you can never pass. Don't go for it, right? You are in a place where God has credited his righteousness. But how do, so but, but my question is, if I tell George, George, you know what? I have deposited a million dollars in your bank account. <laughs> I like that. He, he believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth. <laughs> I better check my bank account now. <laughs> okay, so, so what is needed for him to now walk in this reality that he's got a million dollars? What, is the rea what, what does it need for him? It's a new covenant. I've just told him that I've deposited a million dollars in his bank account. What is needed for him to walk in that reality? He has to believe my word. See, because he doesn't have to earn that million dollars. You see the difference? Things have changed. Now, he doesn't have to earn it. I give it to him. I have spoken it by my word that I've given it to him. He needs to now do what? Believe. Or, he, or if he says, no, I will only believe if I see it. Then what happens? Till the point he sees it, what's happening to him? He's still living in a poverty mindset. Because he has not believed that he has received. You got it? That's the operation of the new covenant. The operation of the new covenant starts by believing that you, what? Will receive or you have it? You have it. 2,000 years back, it was already had for you. Credited for you. You have to start operating and starting from a point that you already have it. You cannot depend on your eyes to say that, oh, I'll check in my bank account and if I see a six-figure, then I believe. What, what guarantee that if a website is hacked? 
You say, no, no, then I think I need to go to the bank manager and check with him whether that money is true. What if you go to the bank and the bank manager says, yes, we see there is money in the bank. Then you come back home and you say, but what if he's deceived? <laughs> There's no end. But you say, but no, if I receive physical currency of cash, a million dollars in my hand, then I will believe. Okay, what if they give you a million dollars in cash in your hand? Will you then believe? And if you get this cash and you'll say, but what if this is counterfeit, counterfeit money? You still cannot enjoy. At some point, at some point in your walk of the reality that you have a million dollars, what is needed? You have to believe. You have to believe. You, you cannot depend on it. Everything because that is deceived, that's deception. If you're going to believe with your eyes, I have to feel it in my feeling. Oh, if I just meditate for 20 minutes a day, I, f I feel good. I mean, I'm telling you, there are thousands of people, millions of people who meditate and they feel good and they walk out from there and the scenario, has, their situation has never changed. Because that's not what you feel is not the reality. What you believe is the reality or the truth. Believe based on fact that God has credited you His righteousness. Amen? 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 That is very powerful. So, Romans chapter 10 says, with the heart one believes unto? That means you need to believe. Why do you have to believe unto righteousness, Ashley? Why do you need to believe righteousness? What is the whole point of believing unto righteousness? What happens when you believe that you are righteous? Okay, that's that's big deal. I mean, you live without righteous standing for so many years. <laughs> But what's the advantage of now believing that you're righteous? What happens? What can you expect then? Yes, the blessings of the Lord. All the blessings that are written in the book of the law. Now you can, you can what? What can? You have a right to expect. Say right to expect. I expect good things to happen to me. Why? Because my punishment issue has been taken care. And my obedience issue has been taken care. Wow. Both are good. Both are important. You cannot say that I am just obedient, but my punishment has been not been taken. You are like the, you are like the murderer who is running around in, uh, in Galleria Mall spending money. Who is going to pay for his murder? But if somebody catches him and says, hey, but you, aren't you the guy who murdered your wife? Say, yes, but I kept, I, I never break any red lights. <laughs> But then you broke any red lights, but you killed your wife. You got it? So you cannot go around life thinking, what? How many sins are forgiven? You cannot go around life thinking that most of my sins are forgiven. Right? You cannot. You cannot go around life thinking that how much of your sins are forgiven, George? All. You have to know that all of your sins are forgiven. You have to know this. It's critical. You'll say, but Anil, why does it matter if all my sins are not forgiven? I know most of my sins are forgiven. Because it's that one sin that will give you a condemnation for you not to receive any of the blessings of the law. You see how critical it is that none of your sins in your consciousness remain unforgiven. Very important. You cannot believe. You cannot make it right. You cannot pay the price. You have to believe that God, Jesus Christ has credited you his forgiveness. 
has credited you his righteousness. You need to believe that because you cannot operate in the reality that you have a million dollars unless you believe it. Others, you constantly like, I know I have all this victory in Christ Jesus, but I, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough. You know, I, I messed up. I've messed up today morning. But who cares? Because Christ has credited you his righteousness. With your heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth is made unto salvation. salvation means in this area that you need saved. That means in the area of your relationship, you need deliverance. In your area of your resources, you need deliverance. You need salvation in that particular area. Guess what? You need to confess. You need to confess in that area that you are delivered. You have to confess it. You have to speak it out. You say, but Anil, I believe in my heart that every, if it is good, it will happen to me, it will happen to me. I am a type who believes that if God loves me, good things will happen to me. I don't need to confess. I'm sorry. I mean, you didn't make the rules. <laughs> it's like, it's not my rules. It's like the new covenant rules. The new, I mean, in the, under the law, if, if, for 2,000, I mean, how many years? 4,000 years till Jesus came. For 4,000 years, if you said, I'm not going to bring no spotless, blameless lamb before the temple, I will bring a fig leaf. <laughs> I believe in glorified fig leaves. I will burn fig leaves around my house. I mean, that's, that's not your program. Your program is your sinner. Now God will decide what sacrifice is acceptable to him, correct? It's not what you think is right will please the Father. What? That's not your rules. I'm sorry. You don't have any rules. You broke the law. Right? So now it's like you're trying to put the same operation in the new covenant. Oh, I don't believe that. I think we should be basically good, you know. I mean, we need to be good in life. We need to give to poor, give charity, 5013C or whatever. Let's give good. Let's do good to all people and God will bless us. That's, who told you that? That's not your, I'm telling you the new covenant says you have to believe the righteousness of Jesus by faith. You have to speak it out and you'll be delivered. That's his law. That's his operation. You walk in it and enjoy the benefits or you fight it all your life. You're going to be saved by the way. You're going to heaven. But you're going what? Miserable pauper existence while you're going on the way to heaven. You're, you're, you're flying in coach. <laughs> While the price has been paid for first class, you're, you're getting there to your destination. But you're traveling coach. And in spirit airways. Where <laughs> 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 everything is charged. You breathe, you're charged. You know? <laughs> you could have been on Emirates. Because you could have been on Emirates in first class. First class. <laughs> and did you reach your destination? Sure you did. <laughs> But when you reach there, you can see the guy who travel coach and the guy who travel first class, right? And that's what you see when angels show up in heaven. Oh, coach, huh? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, the father paid everything, right? But you wanted to sit in coach. You wanted to pay the price yourself. I mean, at least you traveled in coach. There are people who want to travel in the in the cargo. <laughs> There are Christians who want to travel in the cargo hold. No oxygen, struggling. Because I want to pay the price, Lord. I want to pay the price for you. I mean, it's like, okay, get him, get him, get him to the destination. Let him just live. That's what the Bible says. 
Some will make it to heaven as if escaped by fire, you know? Because everybody's gonna get in, because if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus credited to you is? No. Death. You got it? So you are saved from your punishment. So you can never go to hell because Jesus credited to you is death. But Jesus also credited to you is obedience. So you can have a great life. But because you don't believe that, guess what? You don't receive the benefits of it. Amazing. You need to understand that. That is why the operation of Rome, I'm telling you, guys, if there is one chapter in the Bible, I'm saying two chapters in the Bible, that you should read and meditate on is which one? Romans 8. Romans 8 is what you will say, but I'm telling you, Romans 10. Say 10. Romans 10. See, Romans 8 is about what God has done for us. Romans 10 is how it, how you can appropriate it. See, that's the difference. See, because Romans 8 says, if God so, you know, he gave his only begotten son, how will he not along with that freely give us all things? It's still with, the money is with, it talks about how good I am towards George. Can he still benefit from that? No. Romans 10 tells you how to benefit from my generosity. You got it? Say Romans 10. Say, I will read Romans 10. <laughs> I have to get you to say that. See, I have to get you to, because I want you to read Romans 10. I want you to read every verse in Romans 10 because it breaks it down very simple. It's not very complicated. Any translation. I'd say stick to New King James Version. Don't go to any other version. King, New King James Version. Just go to it. Read verse by verse. Understand this whole concept. How this new covenant works. And you'll start seeing tremendous breakthrough in your life. Because now you're operating under the new covenant rules, right? And you start seeing the benefits of it. Very powerful. The other chapter is Isaiah 53. You know, every time Satan tries to bring stuff on you, you can say, ah, I think I read about it on Isaiah 53 that Jesus took that, right? Every time when he tries to bring turmoil in there, I think I remember that it was put on Jesus. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. If he tries to bring guilt on it, ah, for our transgressions he was bruised. I mean, eh, <laughs> two verses, two chapters. If you don't know any part, forget about Genesis, everything. Isaiah 53, what was already taken, Romans 10, how to appropriate it. Amen? Will you do that? Isaiah 53, Romans 10. Meditate on it. I mean, you can never finish meditating on these two chapters very two chapters okay and we have not been started on the message of today <laughs> we're not even started we still had last time's message message right what is the last time message and we talk about it this you know hold fast to your confession now that what's the confession that he's talking about the confession that now god has declared you what righteous <coughs> let nobody not even your spouse Say, you stinky, you. I don't care. But I'm righteous, stinky, me. <laughs> it's like, I am righteous. I'm perfect. See, so what I'm saying is, let nobody shake you of this confession. Right? Now, this is what he's saying. This is very powerful. And I, I want to close. Okay. I want to hit this very powerful before we go on to today's message. And today's title of the message is called Trees of Righteousness. Say, Trees of Righteousness. But before that, I want you to go to this one verse because this is very powerful. And I want you to get this implication. Trees of righteousness. Okay. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
Okay. Can some I, I'll I'll read it out for you. Romans chapter First uh, Timothy chapter six verse twelve. If everybody got that. First Timothy chapter. First Timothy chapter six verse twelve. You got that. Everybody got it. Okay. I want you to uh, follow with me as I read it. Very very powerful. Fight. The good fight of faith. There's only one faith, one fight that you have to fight right now. It's not a fight against Satan. It's not a fight against anybody. It's a fight of faith. That means it has something to do with, not with your eyes, not with what you see. It has something to do with what you cannot see. Say it's a faith, right? If it's faith, it means faith is the evidence of things. Say not seen. So obviously it is in the realm of things not seen. Done? You agreed? So it's a fight regarding things not seen. Correct? Okay, now let's read it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life. Eternal life means this good life. You see, we, we always think eternal life is the life after death. No, 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 no. The Bible and translation of eternal life is the life here. Life here right now, all the way to eternity. Life here. Lay hold on to eternal life. Enjoy this life. Get on to the life that God has promised you, okay? Eternal life to which you are called. That means God has definitely called you to a great life, right? But how do you lay hold on to that life? What? And have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who has witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Okay, bottom line, let me... Kind of break it down for you. He's saying, fight the good fight of faith by holding fast to a confession. Say the good confession. And then, then you'll ask me, Anil, what is a good confession? Here Paul is telling Timothy, let me tell you, this good confession, Jesus Christ witnessed in the presence of Pilate. Now, hold it. If we can find out what is the confession that Jesus Christ witnessed in the presence of Pilate, do you believe that you hit the jackpot? Right? Because he said this is a good confession that Jesus Christ witnessed. Witness means what? Did he make the confession or he witnessed it? Okay, this is very, very, very... English language, right? It's not a confession that Jesus made. Say, Jesus did not make that confession. Jesus witnessed it. Correct? So Jesus witnessed a confession in the presence of Pilate that Paul now calls is the good confession that if you hold on to that, what will you get? Eternal life. You can enjoy eternal life. Yes or no? Okay, now let's go and find out what is the confession that Jesus heard in the presence of Pilate. Correct? Okay, let's go to... There's not much time. See, Jesus was not too much time before Pilate. But, so the words are very limited. So let's hear what is the confession that Pilate said. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 4. Matthew chapter 27... 
Matthew chapter 27. Okay, not that. Matthew chapter 27, 4 to 11. Okay, so it'll be 11. Okay. So let's look at what he said. Then verse 11. Then Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, are you the king of the Jews? So what is the first confession that Pilate made? 27.11. Are you the king of the Jews? So that was the first confession, right? So Jesus heard that and Jesus said, it is as you say. So now he's witnessing something that Pilate said and he says, what you said is true. What was the confession? That Jesus is a king. Correct? Okay, next. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. The pilot saw that he could not prevail at all. Rather, he took water and washed his hand before the multitude. He said, I'm innocent of the blood of this just man. So now he's confessing that Jesus is just. Correct? You see to it. Okay, let's read. Let's go to a different uh, gospel. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark. Sorry, let's go to Luke chapter 23. Because we are trying to find the confession that Jesus heard in the presence of Pilate. Luke chapter 23. Let's go. Luke 23. Luke 23. Verse 4. So Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. You heard that? So now he's making a confession that, first he made a confession that he's a king. Second, he's making a confession that He's a just man. Or I find no fault in him. Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 23 verse 15. Great. What it says? Nothing deserving of death has been done by him. Now he's making a confession that he has done nothing deserving of any judgments. So you see the confession that Pilate is making in the presence of Jesus. And you go back and check. So he makes only a couple of confessions. He says, Jesus, you're a king. You're a just man. I find no fault in you. You have committed nothing worthy of death. Paul is saying, hold fast to that same confession regarding you right now. So what should be the confession that you have with, before the father? I am a king. I am because we, he's made us priests and kings unto the father. I am just. I am righteous. And I have done nothing deserving deserving death in my life. He says, hold fast to that confession. Because why? Because God has given you, Jesus has credited you his righteousness. And he says, hold fast to that. Jesus heard this confession about himself and said, that's correct. And Jesus says the same confession that Pilate said, you hold fast to that confession. Because there was no other confession. The fact that you're perfect, you're righteous in the Father's hands, which is exactly what Romans 10 says. With your heart, one believes unto righteousness. righteousness. That means you need to believe that you're righteous. And now you're to speak it. You're to speak that you are righteous. In this area, I mean, you messed up, but you don't do whatever. But still, I'm perfect in the Father's eyes because Jesus Christ has credited you his righteousness. Isn't that good? Hold fast to that confession. I'm telling you, 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 we spend a lot of time in life. I'm telling you, the challenge is when you're going through trouble to hold fast to this confession, right? It's not when you're perfect and you got all your ducks lined up in a row. It's not when you think that, oh, you know what? I am now deserving of great blessing. 
you have to believe that you're deserving of great blessing when all hell is breaking loose because Jesus has credited you his obedience. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. Let me go to this verse and, uh, and I'll close the section and we'll move on to uh, trees of righteousness. Go back to Romans chapter 4. I'll teach you a phrase called FRR and IR. If you understand this, you'll, your life would be far better. FRR and IR. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Okay. Let's read this. Romans chapter 4. Uh, let's read verse 3 onwards. Uh, George, can you read uh, Romans chapter 4 verses 3 onwards to 11? Let's read it now slowly. Let's, let's concentrate on that. There you go. He says, the guy who does not work, that means the guy who is not trying to be good with God, but he believes that God justifies not the godly. God justifies what? The young. Whoa, hold it, hold it. Am I reading it right? God justifies the ungodly? He says, yes, that is faith. <laughs> that's you, by the way, if you didn't know. <laughs> You're like, no, that's that, that guy, that's my neighbor, right? <laughs> no, no, that's you. you. You are the ungodly. He says, you believe that God justifies you, the ungodly. <laughs> we, we never see yourself as ungodly. We always think, you know, you ask any, any of your colleagues at work, do you think you're good? I'm basically good. <laughs> you know that? I'm basically good. I'm, I'm generally a good guy. I'm generally a good guy. Nobody ever admits that they're ungodly, you know? Like, you ungodly, filthy you, <laughs> you know? You are ungodly, you know, but, but the faith is God justifies the ungodly, right? Because I'm not even entering the hall, because I know I'm going to screw up, I'm messed up, I'm going to fail this test, I'm not going to enter this court. That's why the Bible says in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into testings, right? It's like, God, Jesus is very smart. He's telling, if you want to pray to the Father under the old covenant, this is how you pray. Don't lead us into any tests, because we're going to mess up and we're going to fail. Don't lead us into testings, Right? Don't lead us into test because when I walk into a test, I am presupposing what? My strength. When I come under the law and say, Lord, test me. <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're, you're presupposing what? That I can do this, right? This is what Israel did at the Mount Sinai. God gave them the law. He said, ha, big deal. We can keep the law. Guess what? Suddenly God became very far from them. Under the new covenant, God says, you messed up. God says, I know we messed up. We are ungodly, Lord. But we know you justify the ungodly. So when Abraham was lying about his wife, doing stupid stuff, doing things, God, he was still believing what? He was what? Michelle, what was Abraham believing? He was, he was No, he was justified. But what, what was he believing? That What was he thinking about himself? He was thinking that he was righteous. Correct? He was like, I'm, I'm righteous. He's not feeling condemned. He just lied about his wife to the Egyptians. He now goes and sleeps with Hagar and breaks the covenant that God promised that he's in. But still, he never feels condemned. He still feels he's righteous. Why? Who gave him this righteousness? God. See, it was accounted to him by God, to him as righteousness. And he spoke it. He started speaking about himself as 
I am a father. Man, the guy doesn't have no kids. But he believes that I am righteous. I am fruitful. Because now he's speaking what he cannot see, but he's believing what God has said to him. Wow. He's operating under which covenant? The old or the new? He's operating under the new covenant. He believed in his heart and he spoke with his mouth. How did he speak with his mouth? He spoke he's a father. He's talking as if he's a father of a multitude. He's talking that he's blessed. Wow, it's amazing. The operation of the new covenant. He says, okay, God credited, imputed to him his righteousness. Now let's read this. So, Let's read verse 8. This is what the Bible says in Psalms. Let's read this. Okay, let's read 6, 7, 8. Come on, George, read it loud. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from, apart from works. He imputes righteousness irrespective of what you do. Guys, you need to hear this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He imputes righteousness Irrespective of what you do, okay? This is not my idea. I mean, it's so good. Man, Anil, you're saying this is like heresy, man. <laughs> it's not heresy. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you say, but this gives me a license to do all crazy stuff. No, it doesn't. When you believe how good this God is, he lives in you, he will do the right things through you. You got it? You don't work it. The river takes you. You don't walk in this river. Say, the river takes me. The river takes me. And I'm going to show you very powerful in Ezekiel chapter 47 about the temple, which is a picture of the church. How the river is, prophet Ezekiel could not walk in that river. After some time it came up to his ankles, then it came up to his knees, then it came up to his waist. And then the Bible says, this is a river in which you cannot walk. Hallelujah. You cannot walk in this new covenant. You cannot boast in it. You can only be swept. You can only be carried. You have no boasting in this new covenant. Amazing. And so finally, the Spirit of God takes him back to the bank. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I can go in, I can go in, I can go in, but he can't. The grace of God is too powerful. It will take you places that you think you could never go. It will keep you in situations that you think you could never hold back because the grace of God is too powerful. Amen. Let's read it. He said, David also describes the blessed nesses, nesses, nesses in plural. There's so much blessings, blessed nesses. The plural of this Greek word is blessed nesses. That's how it is. And there's no appropriate English word to translate that blessed nesses. He says, it's so good that the man, that God would impute righteousness apart from his works. It's so good. He says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered, to whom the man, blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Say shall not. Yes. Guys, listen to me and repeat after me. The Lord, the Lord shall not shall impute sin, impute sin to, me. to me. He shall not. He shall not. Why will he shall not? Because he, he has already finished imputing all sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's done. So he shall not. But he will impute something to you. What is that? Righteousness. Impute righteousness. Look at the same word. Verse 11. 
that those who believe, that though they are uncircumcised, that means the guy is not even a Jew, that that righteousness might be imputed to them also. So there are two imputing happening out here. Say imputing, you know. Don't say importing, but <laughs> imputing. Imputing means God is saying he will not impute Biju sin to you. I'm sorry, you, you, you get angry with Suja, doesn't matter. He will not impute sin to you. He will not. He's, he's sworn. He's sworn. I will not impute sin to you. Right? On the other hand, he will always impute righteousness to you. He's always impute righteousness to you. So, so either you have righteousness. So you say, so let me close with this. Say FRR. Say FRR. So, so what does the Bible say about your righteousness? Good. What does your Bible say about your righteousness? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. Say filthy rags. filthy rags. So what is the verse that talks about our righteousness being filthy rags? Uh, I don't need the reference, but just read the verse. Or memorize the word. What is the verse? Tell me just the verse. All your righteousness is like filthy rags. Say all. Can some righteousness be worthy of righteousness? Say all. That is all my righteousness. All whose righteousness? Your righteousness. All. So whatever right things you do, whatever, God treats as what? Filthy rags. So filthy rags righteousness. Say filthy rags righteousness. So FRR. Don't live in filthy rags righteousness. Live in IR. What righteousness? Imputed righteousness. See, the operation of the word New Covenant is don't live in FRR, live in IR. Live in imputed righteousness. Because imputed righteousness is a result of the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your righteousness is the result of whose obedience? Your obedience. Your obedience is filthy. <laughs> I mean, as a believer, I'm talking not as an unbeliever. As a believer, your obedience is still filthy. Except as the operation of believing the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe his righteousness is to you imputed. You start believing in it. Start living in it. And this takes a mindset change. I'm sorry. You just have to start living that. You start believing that it's not what I do gets you brownie points with God. My righteousness is imputed to me and I walk in it from that standpoint. My, I am already perfected in his righteousness. Therefore, you start looking at your fellow brother as what? With the same understanding. See, he walks in that same righteousness as imputed righteousness. I don't judge him at all because he walks in the same righteousness. Amen? So walk in imputed righteousness, not in filthy rags righteousness. Amen? Amen. I know you all have to leave, right? Yes. Sure, sure, sure. But I got it in the right segment. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we'll see you Yeah. So, so we talk about filthy rags righteousness and imputed righteousness, correct? So very important to understand this operation. Very important to live in imputed righteousness, okay? So let's go to this. Let's go to this passage of this temple of Ezekiel. This is very powerful. You'll love this. I want you to go through this chapter. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter... Ezekiel chapter 47. 
Ezekiel chapter 47. Okay, let's read that. Let's read it. Everybody got that chapter? Ezekiel chapter. This is very powerful because I don't think, I don't know, you must have read this chapter. You read this vision about the temple, the new temple that Ezekiel has? You never, the Holy Spirit the other, this week, he showed me that this picture, this temple is a picture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection, not in the huge new Jerusalem that is coming and a physical temple. No, he's talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. He's talking about us here. See, it's put in a very pictorial form of what the thing is. So it's very powerful because you understand the truth, you'll understand something real deep truths. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. So, very powerful. He brings us to the door. So he, Ezekiel is able to get into the temple but not through the gate. He gets in through the temple through the door. Who is the door? Jesus Christ is the door. See, for you to come in through the temple, you need to be perfectly righteous. Therefore, the Bible says the eastern gate, which is where the temple faced east, he said, close the eastern gate. Remember, remember that passage in Ezekiel? The eastern gate is still closed. Actually, if you go to Jerusalem right now, the, exit, the old temple, the ruins of it, there's a gate on the eastern side. Have you seen the picture? It is still sealed till today. Still sealed. That eastern gate is still sealed. Because God told Ezekiel, no one shall enter through the eastern gate. Means what? The main gate. Because if you enter through the main gate, means you are telling what? You are what? What? You are perfect. You are spotless. That means you are the king. You are perfect. You can never enter through the main gate. Except who can enter? Jesus or the Lord of glory can enter. Remember Psalm says, who is lift up you gates? Who is this who? Who is it coming through the gates? It's the king of glory. Who can come through the eastern gate? One day Jesus Christ will enter through the physical gate in Jerusalem. But in the meantime, the heavenly gate, nobody can enter through the gate. That's why Jesus never says, I am the gate. What does he say? Because he allows you to get in through the door. That is why the ark, he made a door. He said, behold, I stand at the... He doesn't say, I stand at the gate. Gates are placed where what happens in the old covenant. What happens at the gates of the city? Correct. But what primarily? Judgments. The court sits at the gates. Remember when uh, Ruth... Uh, uh, Ruth had to get Boaz, Boaz had to uh, get Ruth, right? Had to redeem Ruth. He had to go before the elders, where? At the gate. Because that's where the judgments are happened. God doesn't take you through the judgments into the city. He gets you through the door. Therefore, he says, I am the door. That's why he told Cain, he said what? If you do right, will you not be accepted? If not... Uh, a sin offering is crouching where? At the door. He's saying, 
the Passover lamb is there at your door. Why don't you offer the Passover lamb? Again, where? It's not at the gate. It's at the door. Because the door is the way to get in through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's very powerful. So, Ezekiel is brought to a door of the temple. And guess what's out there? What's out there? There's water flowing. Correct? There's water on the threshold of the uh, temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east. And the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple. South of the altar. Guys, I know this is deep Bible study. But I want you to understand this. Because I don't think anywhere else you can break it into this understanding. See what it says. Where does the water flow? It flows from under the door. It means it is, is, a, is a result of the Lord Jesus Christ. Correct? We'll understand the implications of this water very powerful in the chapter. But it's flowing from under the door. But where? Come on. Where is it located? Temple. Under the right side of the temple. Say under the right side. What is the right side about? The right side is the place of righteousness. No, righteousness. Say righteousness. You See, the water in your life is always going to flow from which side? The right side. Which is the right side? Your righteousness side. See, what happens is as a believer, we are expecting water, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, miracles, miracles. Uh, manifestations, favor, mercy, all that is a picture of the water, correct? You're expecting supernatural stuff to happen through this water. But this water doesn't flow from the left side. This water flows from the right side. That means you have to depend on which righteousness? Jesus' righteousness. You have to depend on imputed righteousness water for your miracles in your life. You cannot depend on your left side. Left side is the side of your strength. That you are trying to work it out with your own efforts. He says, don't depend on that. That is why. This is so powerful. And I, I, I'm jumping ahead. When Jesus shows up after the resurrection and Peter is spending all night on the river and catches nothing. On which side is he fishing? Left side. Left side. See, as a believer. Now he's a believer or not? He's a believer, but yet he's fruitful or unfruitful? Unfruitful. Why? Because he's depending on fruit from what side? The left side. What is the left side? The left side is a side which says that you are a seasoned fisherman. You know the Lake of Galilee very well. You know where fish come. You know where to go. That's all the left side. Jesus shows up and says, now he's resurrected. He's on this side of the shore, correct? That means he's resurrected. That means he, he is in the same position, Peter is in the same position as you and I are. Fruitful or unfruitful? Unfruitful. Now he wants what to happen to him? Fruitfulness, right? How much fish does he want to catch? Maybe for a meal. How much fish does he end up catching? You cannot even count it. Correct? See, so you, so, but that happens from which side? Right side. What did Jesus say to him? Do you have any food? Are you fruitful? Is it, you know, he's talking to a believer or unbeliever? Believer. Correct? But is this believer fruitful or unfruitful? Unfruitful. Why? Because he has cast his net on which side? On the left side. 
left side is the place of your strength. You are depending on which FRR or IR? FRR. So Jesus says, cast the net on the right side. Say righteousness side. See, that is why the water flows from the right side. Right? Okay. What is the next verse which it says? The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple. Say the right side of the temple. See, on the right side of the temple is who who is standing at the right side of the temple? Jesus Christ. He is at which side of the Father? The right side of the Father. When he says he is at the right side of the Father, who is at the right side of the Father? You are at the right side of the Father. Remember, you are in Christ Jesus. So you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. On which side? The right side. The righteousness side. You are not sitting in your righteousness. You are sitting in his righteousness. So you are constantly... I'm telling you, Anils, I mean, t- all of us, you have to constantly make a decision in all day, on a daily basis. Like when you have an evil report come to you. What do you lean on? Do you lean on your proven methods to solve a problem? Correct? Or you say, no, Lord, I refuse to get up from my seat. I'm sitting on the right side. I'm expecting the water to flow towards me. Amen? Because I'm perfect. I have done nothing deserving of death. You hold fast to that confession. I am just and I am a king. Kings don't get up and work. So look at the confessions that you have to hold on. That I am a king. I am just. I have found, God finds no fault in me and I've done nothing deserving of death. Exactly the confessions that Jesus witnessed in the presence of Pilate, Paul says to Timothy, hold fast to that. Hold on to it. And depend on the right side of the temple water. Correct? Thomas? Right side, man. Right side. Don't depend on trying to figure this all out. That's not your job. I mean, tell me, literally, all your figuring, could it save you? No. (laughs) How much figuring could save you? No. If your figuring cannot save you, what, why are you worried about all these smaller things in life? You depend on the right side. You depend on the right side. Depend means expect you to be blessed. Expect you to prosper incredibly. Start believing on the right side. Look at what it says. Next thing. On the right side of the altar, so, so, right side of the temple, south of the altar. You know why water flows? <laughs> Water flows because it is south of the altar. What's the altar? The cross of Jesus Christ. Because he died, water now flows towards you. His sacrifice is the reason why the water flows. His obedience is the reason why the water flows. His offering was acceptable to God. See, remember on that altar, God, man could bring any altar, but it was never acceptable to God. Except when the spotless lamb died, water started flowing south of the altar. Why is it called south? Because it is behind you. See, the cross of Jesus Christ is not north of you. It is south of you. Say south of me. So I don't have to look forward to this perfect cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is behind you. That means the price was already paid. Very important. The water flows on the right side of the temple, south of the altar. You got it? Very important to you to understand that. Okay, keep reading. So he brought me around, out, 
by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside on the outer gateway that faces east and there was water running out from the what? Again, look at the emphasis. Water was flowing out on the right side. Correct? Okay. And when the man went out to the east and with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters came up to the ankles. He measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the water came up my knees. He measured 1,000 and brought me through and the water came up to the waist. Then he measured 1,000 and it was water that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one, say what? One must swim. <laughs> I want you to write, I want you to underline that. One must swim. You cannot walk in it. Guys, you cannot walk in this covenant. You have to swim. Let the spirit lead you. Don't try to figure this out. Let you must swim. Say must swim. Must swim. You cannot. He said, but unlike it, I can I can walk in this. I can walk in. I, I figured this out, you know. You cannot walk. You cannot walk. This water, you must swim. You must swim. Think about it. You cannot walk in this water. You must swim. Okay, so he brings it back. A water that could not be crossed. What does that mean? Water river could not be crossed. Mm -hmm. No. That is that is the fact that you must swim. That's a part of the you cannot do it in your effort. But the fact that the river cannot be crossed means what? Cannot be crossed. Means what? No, 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 no. It's unending. This river never ends. This river never stops. Because remember, Romans 8 says what? Who can measure the love of God? Can neither height nor depth nor width. Nothing can separate us from the law of God because this law is so great. We have received the abundance from him, grace upon grace. That means you will never stop exhausting the limit of how when it says, God says to you, man, Rajesh, this is like the limit, man. How much should I, how many times should I deliver you out of this stuff? You will never come to that border. You will never come to a border where God will say, man, Alkesh, you messed it up. This is like, the straw that broke the camel's back. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Because this river cannot be crossed. Cannot be crossed. You can never make enough mistakes for you to hit God's limit of love. You will never mess up. You will never mess up in this new covenant. You will not hit the limit. I mean, you say, Anil, I'm blessed right now. I'm very content with my life and this is it. I'm sorry. This river, you have not even started on this river. You cannot even get to the end. You're thinking that this is the limit that God can do in your life? You say, but that's all I can see. That's because you are in FRR. You're not in IRR. Do you think, let me ask you a question. George, let me ask you a question. How, how much blessing should Jesus Christ receive for the perfect life that he lived? How, much, how, much, how, how rich should you think he should be? Should he be more richer than Solomon? If Solomon with all his baggage was so blessed, how do you think how rich should Jesus be? Limitless. Limitless. Like I mean, uh, limitless. Okay, how healthy should Jesus be? I mean, is there a limit to how much? 
and God, God says, I have made you a heir of all that he has. So what's stopping you? FRR, <laughs> you got it? FRR is stopping you. Filthy rags righteousness because we are we don't see ourselves as righteous. Like I mean, I preach this message and I after I finish my message and most of the time, oh I did you did such a good job, Anil. Man, the spirit just more. It's like FRR. You know? it's, like, it's, like, it's like oh you there's so many people were touched. FRR. It's like filthy rags righteousness because it's not about you. It's about what he did, right? It's, it's his job. It's a river that you cannot cross. It's a river that you cannot swim. You are just swept. You are just flowing in it. I mean, that's it. It's not your credit. He gets good. This is what the Lord said the other day. And it's a couple, about, about a month back. He, he reminded me this very powerful. I think it's something that for you, I think the Holy Spirit is reminding me to share this, which is good. Remember this uh, Gehazi, the servant of El, Elisha. Elisha. Elisha Naaman was healed of leprosy. Remember, Elisha never even went out to meet Naaman, just told him through his servant, go and dip seven times in the river Jordan, which is a picture of seven times Jordan. Jordan is a picture of death. Seven times is a perfect death. Who gave you, who gave you the perfect death? Jesus Christ. He's the only one who gives you the perfect death, right? Everybody else cannot give you a perfect death. It's very important for you to know that Jesus' death is a perfect death. It's credited to you. If the death was incomplete, you would have to finish paying up the balance part. Very, very important. I mean, I'm telling you, this understanding of perfect death credited to you is not preached as much. It has been credited to you. That means you have perfectly died. Anil, Cyril, you have perfectly died. You don't have to pay them any more price for any, any other stuff. No, uh, the rooster is coming home to roost. Yes, it was fried at the cross, the rooster. It's done. There's no rooster coming home to roast. It's all done. It's perfectly paid. You've been perfectly punished. So Gehazi does this one thing. So guess what? Now this Naaman is so full of gratitude, he wants to bless Elisha. He wants to bless Elisha. Elisha refuses to take anything from him. Why? Now answer this and you will see your uh, revelation. Why did Elisha refuse to take anything from Naaman for the healing. What's that? He had nothing to do with it. See, the moment you take credit, the moment you take credit, what are you saying? I did it. So for Naaman to be healed of leprosy, and if I get the credit, who has to take the leprosy? I have to take the leprosy. See, I am not capable of taking the leprosy. I am not capable of taking the judgments. You always think that, let's take the credit. If Are you ready to take the credit? That means you have to pay the judgments. See, it's, Naaman's healing is not free. You got it? Someone had to pay this price. See, the leprosy just went from Naaman to rest on whom? No, yes. But at that point of time, where did the leprosy go out from Naaman and went into whom? Into the seven dipping Jordan. Who went into the Jordan? Jesus. Jesus. That leprosy which was sitting on Naaman landed on whom? Jesus Christ. 
the moment Gehazi wanted the credit for it, what happened to that leprosy which was on Naaman? Came upon him. Because what? He's saying, I am taking the credit for your healing. Guess what? You have to pay the price. That is why when God does great things in your life, you're like, please, Lord, you, you take the credit. <laughs> I don't want to do with this credit. Because, I, because at the end of a credit is what? A payment. And I am not capable of paying a price. I mean, the Holy Spirit, the other one thing he was sharing with me, I said, man, after that, <laughs> I take no filthy credit. <laughs> you know, I, was like, I don't want any credit because I am not able to take the price. Can you pay the price? Can you pay the judgments? No. Elisha was smart. Go, go, go. From there, go to the Jordan, right? Just go straight to the Jordan. I want no credit. See, when you are comfortable, therefore, therefore what happened was when Abraham did not receive a child, he received a revelation from God that God said, you are a father. He says, he considered not his body, but gave glory to God. Glory in the Bible is weight, kavod. is the Hebrew word kavod. He gave kavod to G the Lord. He gave kavod to the Lord Jesus Christ means what? He credited to Jesus Christ his barrenness. He refused to take the barrenness on his body. So he was barren, yes or no? Was Abraham barren or not? No. Yeah, but by faith he was not barren, correct? But from his body, was he barren? Yes. In his body he was barren. But what happened was he did something very interesting. He, did, he, he received a word that he became a father. So suddenly what happened? He gave weight to that word and considered not his body. You got that word in Romans chapter 4 or 5? He says he considered not the body but gave glory to God. That means he considered not what he saw in his body but he gave weight to what God said. That means give weight to your righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give weight to that and credit him. Give glory to him. I mean the Bible is full of the prophet saying, give glory to God because he can pay the price. Don't take glory on yourself because you cannot pay the price. Let him take the glory because we have, guess what? He can handle the price. Amen? Let's read this verse again. And then uh, verse 6. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? He brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When he returned along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. Now he's talking about you. Trees. Trees of righteousness. His trees are always referred in the Bible as people. Trees of righteousness. What's happening on the water because of what Jesus did? Because of this grace. People, born again, righteous people are shooting up all across the banks of this river. All across the banks of the river. You got it? Righteous people. Righteous you and me are where? Are you now planted by? Streams of water. Now you are fulfilling Psalms 1. Blessed is he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. Love of the Lord, and in it shall meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, whose leaf shall not wither. Whatever he does shall 
prosper. Now you become eligible for what? Whatever you do shall prosper. Because you are planted where? By the river. Planted by the river. So what now you expect any business you enter, any investment you do, any job you do, what should you expect? You, whatever you do shall prosper. Why? You just happen to be planted by the, the river. Your river, your, you will produce fruit in every season and your leaf will never fade. Amen? Because you are now planted by this river of righteousness, the river of the spirit of God that flows right side, right? Right side flowing river. You are planted on the right side flowing river? Yes. Now keep reading. Very powerful. So, uh, verse 8. Then he said to me, the river flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley. That means all the valley is where all the dead things are or where all the stuff is, all the messes, valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. The sea is situations that are impossible to heal. See, I, mean, I, I agree. If you have a pool in your house, you know how difficult it is to maintain a pool when you need to have service every uh, week, you have to change water, you need to remove the leaves from the top. There is maintain. You need to maintain a small body of water. Can you maintain a, a stream? Possibly. What about a river? Very difficult. I mean, people have tried, governments have tried to clean rivers up. You go to the Thames in uh, London, you go to the Ganges in India. I mean, it's very hard to clean rivers. I mean, by the time you clean one part, there's more dirt coming out from the other part. It's very, even with modern technology, very hard to clean rivers, right? What about sea? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to clean the Pacific Sea. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. That means it's impossible situations are healed when this water reaches the sea. Impossible. This righteousness can heal impossible situations. The sea is healed. Look, keeps reading. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether the, wherever the rivers goes, will live. That means wherever the river goes in your life, wherever this righteousness, understanding of this righteousness flows in your life, wherever in that area, what will happen? It will become alive. Hold on. The exciting part is next. There will be great multitude of fish. What is a fish a picture of in the Bible? A lot of time is prosperity, abundance. There will be a multitude of fish. Look at what it says. Because the waters go there. Why will there be multitude of fish there? Because in that area of your life, you have understood the doctrine of righteousness perfectly. There will be great because the waters go there. See, I'm telling you, Rajesh, and, I mean, all, all of y'all, let this water touch those places, man. Just let the waters touch it. You don't have to do anything to it. The waters will make it live. You don't have to waste your time. It's like, oh, how, what will happen to my wife? What will happen to my son? What will happen to my child's education? Just let the waters touch your child's education. You got it? Let it touch. Because the waters, because the waters go there. Look at the emphasis of the spirit. Because the waters go there. Nothing to do with you. Because the waters go there. You got it? Okay, keep reading. For they will be healed and everywhere, everything will live wherever the river goes. Again, wherever the river goes. Focus. Okay, it shall be that the fishermen shall stand by it from Engedi to Eglam, and there'll be places for spreading their nets. You no, know, you like a lot of people say, Anil, I don't see any business opportunity in my life to make money. <laughs> God says, 
you don't even have to go to the sea. Just stand outside your door and fish in your pool. There'll be fish there. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you say, but I don't believe it. That's a problem, right? Because you don't believe it, you don't see fish. You believe there'll be fish in my pool which is chlorinated and disinfected? Sure. If you believe righteousness touches your pool, the pool will be healed and there'll be fish there. There'll be prosperity there. So what am I saying? I'm saying is, your business in which, in which you thought there is no money will overflow. The stocks in which you invest will multiply. The jobs that you thought has no promotion will increase. Every place, Engedi to Eglem, everywhere you'll catch fish. <laughs> From Lockheed Martin to Southwestern to Parkland to Infovision to Cognizant, Pepsi, Pepsi, whatever, whichever company you work, Wherever you put your net, what's happening? You're going to catch fish because the river flows there. Hallelujah. You got this picture? You Oh, no, Randu. Only where if I join Alkesh's company, I'll make money. No. <laughs> the fisherman who stands by Engedi to Eglib. Are you an Engedi or are you an Eglib? You will catch fish. And what kind of fish will you catch? Oh my goodness, you will catch fish not according to the place where you are. This is incredible. Look at this grace and this covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will catch fish that is not even supposed to be in your place. Fish that's supposed to be in the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea. The, the Mediterranean Sea does not show up in the Galilee Sea. Doesn't. They don't even have any connection. Have you seen the map of Israel? Is there anything connecting from the Mediterranean Sea to the Dead Sea? What about in the Galilee Sea? There's nothing. There is no connection. How come the fish which is in the Mediterranean Sea show up in, in a local pool outside your house? Because the waters have reached there. See, the waters have reached there. What waters? The waters from the right side. Did you say waters from the right side? Waters from the right side, south of the altar, has reached my house. Let the waters touch it. What's your problem? Why are you wasting your time fighting all this? Getting angry with, you know, spouses, your husband, wife. We get angry over so many stupid stuff. We believe God for all these other miracles. But when it comes to some stupid stuff, we don't want to believe. Let the waters touch there. Let it be healed. You, can, you cannot heal a fly. Right? Let the waters touch this area. No, but Anil, this is how it is. Man, this I have to solve. I have to take control. Why? You could not do anything about the other issues which are so difficult. Why are you depending on yourself for this water? Let the waters touch there. Let the waters touch there. And you will see great fish. Prosperity like you never saw. And it shall be. The fish will be the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Amazing. I'm telling you, if you all are seeing this revelation of what the Holy Spirit is telling right now, you all be ready with big nets. I'm telling you, the fish is going to be so large. Guys, if you all say amen to it, you all will see it in your life. You're going to see great fish in your life. Say amen. 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 You're going to see great fish in your life. Amen. Come on, come on. Amen. You're going to see great fish in your life. Great fish, the same fish that the hedge funds used to catch, the same fish that the billionaires used to catch, you're going to catch in your life. 
Amen? It's not because of your obedience. Whose obedience? Jesus', Jesus obedience. You just have to rest and imputed righteousness live in it. Amen? 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 Guys, what's your problem to believe? There's no demand made of you. You just have to say amen to it. Amen? I mean, what's your problem? He's doing the heavy lifting. It's imputed righteousness. I'm saying it's not just in prosperity, but in your health, in your, in your walk with the Lord, in terms of your ministry. You can catch great fish. You're going to have great fish come to you. Great fish come to you. Great fish, the same kind that some of the great leaders are catching. You will catch at your uh, shore. Amen? Amen. Keep reading. Which is the verse that I wanted to come to? Verse 11. I want you to read verse 11. He said, the swamps and the marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Now, as believers, you, this is a warning. The swamps and the marshes in your life will not be healed. God is faithful. Why? Why are the swamps and the marshes not healed? No. Because the waters did not reach that marshes and the swamps. See, the waters, wherever the waters touch, it's healed. But the swamps and the marshes are places in your life where you have not allowed the waters of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ to touch. Guess what? It will not be healed. You will go to your grave with those waters not healed. The waters and the marshes will not be healed. You cannot say, Lord, God is good. He'll heal my marshes. No. He, he depends on you to... Allow the waters to flow to your marshes. You have to allow the waters to flow to your marshes. You say, but no, I'm not going to. So be, be it may, you will have no problem with that. You will have some marshes which are not healed in your life. But I'm saying is why? He says, make all those crooked paths straight and make straight ways for your knees. Let rather be healed. Remember the Bible says, don't make, don't stumble at stupid stuff in your life. In e easy stuff, don't be offended for small things. Let the waters flow there. Let it flow and touch those areas. Because the marshes and the swamps will not be healed. Let the waters come and touch that area. Then look at verse 12. Along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. For their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. That sounds like... Psalms 1. The fruit will not fail and the leaves will not wither. They will bear fruit every month. Why? Because their water flows from the sanctuary. <laughs> this is so beautiful. See, their water. Say, my water, my water. Flows, flows from the sanctuary. My water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. What are the leaves of these trees? The leaves are your righteousness of your leaves. Remember that Jesus cursed the fig tree and said, you shall never eat fruit of you again because it's a picture of Israel trying to live by their own righteousness. See, fig tree first mentioned in the Bible, leaves first mentioned in the Bible, is when man tried to cover himself, his, his sin with his righteousness. And it was again a fig leaf. And God says, I, I am fed up. I am so fed up. But you trying to cover yourself with fig leaves. For 
4,000 years till Jesus came, Israel was still trying to cover with fig leaves. Finally, Jesus shows up in Jerusalem just before he's about to die. And he sees this fig tree, which is a picture of Israel depending on his righteousness, FRR, filthy rags righteousness. And God says, Jesus says, as a man, now Jesus has authority on the earth. He says, I curse you. He doesn't even use the word curse. He said, may no one eat fruit of you again. Because till then, what happened was men were eating of this righteousness. And God was so upset because man would never then eat of the right, fruit of righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is constantly tempted by this righteousness of his own fig tree. And God says, hereafter it will never bear fruit. Thank God of that curse. From that day, that tree never shows up. Now you only see the tree of life, which is bearing fruit. And your leaf is the leaves of righteousness. You have to have that mentality. You have a mindset. I am righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this area, I am righteous. I find no fault in me. And people accuse you in some area in your life. And suddenly you go into, into your office. Your boss is angry with you, right? So what's happening there? What's, what's the classic case? Now your boss is angry with you, right? So what's happening? So now you have an opportunity to let the waters touch this area. So what do you do? What water is this? It's a water that flows from the right side of the temple, south of the altar. Hold on. Think, think logically. It's a water that flows on the right side of the temple, south of the altar. That means it has come past the altar. That means price has already been paid for my foolishness with my boss. So it is coming past the altar. That means price has already been paid. So I made a mistake. My boss is angry. But it is now water that is flowing is south of the altar. That means price has already been paid. Now, it is flowing right of the temple. That means now I'm depending on the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ as a gift to me. Lord, I'm expecting to be healed. I'm expecting this relationship to be mended. Now you start exiting. Now you're letting the waters touch that area in your life. You got it? See, instead of, I think if I talk to this guy, he has influence with him, and he will... Sp now you're depending on what? The left side. Cast it on the right side, great fish will show. Interesting. Interesting. Let's go to John, and we'll close with this, because we don't have too much time. Let's go to John. Let's go to the last chapter. John. John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed. He's this giving an example of how Jesus shows up to believers right now. In this way. This is how he shows up to believers. In this way. And he's giving a picture of what really happens right now. at G God, Jesus at the shore in heaven at the right side of the Father. Simon Peter, they got it. Uh, and the two or the other were together. Simon Peter said to him, I, uh, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out, immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Very classic case. The water has not touched this boat. Correct? There is no living water touching. There's, they are not catching anything because they are not fruitful. Because the Bible says, the trees that are planted by this river shall bear fruit in every season, and whatever you do shall prosper. Correct? So he is doing something at this point of time, but he is not prospering. Because he is not depending on the waters from the right side. 
Correct? So Jesus said to them, on the, on the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. See, they are not even conscious of this righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are believers, yes, but they are not conscious of the availability of this river in their life. They are believers, yes, but they are not conscious. So they are a swamp and a marsh right now. Correct? So, Jesus said to them, children, because they are believers. He is their father. They are his children. That relationship is now established. Right? But they are unfruitful children. Children, have you any food? They answered no. Which is good, because it's good to be frank with the father. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. Which now is, what is he trying to do to them? He's trying to get the waters to flow to them. The right side waters. Right side of the boat and you'll find some. And they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Exactly what Ezekiel promised. Ezekiel 47 promised. Now when the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it said, it's a Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. Now he knew, now you know why he was unfruitful all night. Why was he unfruitful all night? Because he did not have his outer garment. What is the outer garment? He's clothed me with the robe of righteousness. See, he's supposed to be a king seated at the right hand of the father, clothed with the robe of righteousness. This guy, he's left his position on the right side of the father away and removed his garment of righteousness and he's unfruitful. The moment he put on his outer garment, he is now coming back into position as the righteous seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got it? See, the outer coat is a classic picture of your righteousness. Remember we took a message of gloriously clothed, now keep your clothes on. That's a picture, that's a message, right? Keep your clothes on. Don't fight this battle with your clothes on. There's a picture in the, uh, in the Old Testament where one king uh, removed his clothes as a king and went into battle, and uh, Joash, I think, was told to put the king's robe, because this is, uh, the king of Israel thought that if he puts the robes on, the enemy will attack him, and he will be killed, and he's been trying to be very shrewd. Guess what? At the end of the day, the guy who did not put the robes was killed. And Joash, who put the robes as a king, survived. That's the kingdom mentality. Put your robes on, even though you are easily identifiable to the enemy. But because even though you are righteous and he can see you, he cannot touch you. Keep your clothes on. Keep your righteousness mindset on. Don't let it slip. Morning, evening, perfect righteous. Hold on to the confession that Pilate witnessed, or Jesus witnessed before Pilate. You getting it? You see the picture? It's very classic. It's just following Ezekiel 47. Let's read next. And the other disciples came in that little boat. Look at what he said. The fishermen that fish from Eglam to Engadi will all catch fish. So this guy is in what boat? A big boat? Little boat. How, how deep has he got into the uh, sea to catch fish? Not much. Little boat, don't go deep inside. He is fishing at the shore. Yet, exactly at Ezekiel 47 says, what happens? They were not too far from the land. Look at that in the brackets. They are fishing in a little boat close to the land. And they 
caught a, a fish drag, dragging the net with fish, and as soon as they came, oh my goodness, as soon as they came, they came, they saw a fire of coal there and fish laid on it and bread. Now, not only they got fish, abundance of fish for their prosperity, they had breakfast for them, because that, we'll talk about this in another session, talk about how seed time and harvest principle is, because at some point before when Jesus showed up to the disciples, they gave Jesus a small part of a little piece of a broiled fish, and they sowed into Jesus. Jesus says, anything that you sow into me, you will reap. So guess what? Jesus shows up with fish, and he shows up with broiled fish. <laughs> because you sowed broiled fish, you reap broiled fish. That's how it is. The sowing and reaping always work, works only for the righteous, not for the wicked. It only works for the righteous. It works for the righteous. It will work for you because your offering now is acceptable to the Lord. Okay, but more than that, let's look at it. And Simon Peter went up, dragged the neck to land full of large fish. See, this fish is the kind that they would not ever catch in that sea. Ezekiel 47 just got fulfilled right now. They are in a little boat near the shore. How are they catching large fish? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Large fish cannot even swim to the shore. <laughs> Have you seen large? There are only some. There are YouTube videos of large fish on the shore. These these killer whales. They try to chase dolphins on the shore. Have you seen those videos? These guys are so smart. These killer whales. You see Shamu. The you know you know killer whales are this these huge whales. They come. They they form a a group, and they chase the dolphins into the shore. And these dolphins all jump onto the beach. And these killer whales actually come onto the beach. God knows how to get large fish to you. You'll say, but they are not meant to operate. I don't care. But he knows how to get large fish who do not sit in your domain to come to you. Because you... All Peter did was one thing. What was he did? Rope and did what? No. What caused the large fish to be caught? He just cast on the right side. He just allowed the waters that flow from the right side of the temple to touch him. And waters was abundant. You see the power of righteousness? The power of righteousness. Uh, why is the Holy Spirit teaching us so much on this? So much on this. Why is he emphasizing so much on this? Because he wants you to prosper. He wants you to catch fish like the great fish. He wants you to be exceedingly healed in every area of your life. He wants you to be blessed in every area of your life. He says, hold fast to arm yourself with the same mind. First Peter, First Peter, I don't even have the verse here. It says... Uh, You can go back and see. It's, it's in First Peter. It says, arm yourself with the same mind. Same mind that when Jesus Christ has died once for you. So don't try to pay the price again. Receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ as a gift. Receive it. Meditate on it. In every area of your life, let the waters flow towards you. Let it come towards you. Spend time on it. Because this doctrine is what causes your miracle. Now, and... We have five minutes, and I'll read this verse in uh, Galatians chapter 3. Let's read Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? See, you have seen that Jesus died for you. That means Jesus paid the price for you. Correct? This, this only I want to learn from you. Paul is saying, I just want to know only one thing from you. Just tell me this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Did you receive this river by doing something from your left side or by hearing of faith? Are you foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed they are in vain, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you. See, he's talking about the river. He who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. See, how many of you all want miracles in your life? You want miracles in your life, right? He who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles for you, does he do it by the works of the law? That means by your left hand. Or does he do by the hearing of faith? Of your faith, of your righteousness. How, do, how does he do these miracles? Just so that you are not confused. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He's, point, he's trying to say the same point. He's saying Abraham received miracles in his life because he believed his righteousness as a gift. That he calls the hearing of faith. Hearing of faith. Therefore, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. 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 And let's read the last verse. Verse 29. There is no Jew, no Greek. God doesn't now care for Jew or Greek. Doesn't matter. No slave nor free, uh, or free. Nor male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. He says, everyone can inherit these great fish. Everyone can inherit... This righteousness. Everyone can receive it. But he's saying to Galatians, what is, who has deceived you? What are you guys doing? Why are you not casting your net on the right side? Who is telling you not to cast your net on the right side? Why are you not doing this? When you, you started out well, why are you now trying to keep the law? Why are you trying to depend on your works to receive blessings? Why are you trying to depend because I've been working... You know, I've been perfect in my life and I've been not being angry with my wife and I've been doing this and therefore I should be blessed. Why are you trying to depend like that? Why don't you believe that God has given you his righteousness of Jesus Christ as a gift? So you're received. Say, I receive, I receive. Jesus' righteousness, Jesus righteousness. As, a gift. as a gift. And I receive everything along with it. Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Master. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Allow, Lord, this evening time. And Father, areas where we are facing challenges in our life, O Lord. O my Lord, there are marshes and swarms, O Master, that almost resisting the Spirit of the Lord. And we are like, how come they are defying the Spirit of the Lord? How come there is not a miracle in that area in my life? Guess what? The Holy Spirit has just opened our eyes. See, those are the areas where the gospel of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ has not touched. You're depending on your good works to cause God's heart to change towards you in that area. 
your casting, your net on the left side. God says, cast it on the right side. Depend on me now. Expect from me that the areas that I, you thought were never healed will now be healed because you believe that my price is complete. My death is complete. My work is complete. And it has been credited to me as righteousness. Even when things don't look good, I consider not my situation and I give glory to God because he is fully capable to pay the price. Thank you, Jesus. Say, the Lord says, sit and stay clothed and confess. Sit, stay clothed and confess and the fish shall come to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Sit, stay clothed, and confess, and decree, says the Father. Decree what you want in your life. Decree while staying clothed, and while staying seated. Decree, and whatever you say, I shall do, so that your joy will be full. Whatever you say, says the Lord, whatever you say, I will do. But you say it while clothed and seated. Sit as a king, says the Father. See me at the right hand of the Father, says the Lord Jesus Christ. And hold fast to the confession that I witnessed before Pilate. That you are a king, you are just, and I find no fault in you. And receive no condemnation from me forever. My people shall all be righteous and they shall inherit the land forever. I'm saying, the Lord saying, miracles, supernatural miracles are starting to happen in your life. Confess that those have already begun. Confess that you're already receiving it. Confess, oh my goodness, the, the struggle for you to confess it. The struggle for you to confess because so much of learned habits on the left side. The Lord says, confess it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak, I love my neighbor. Speak it. Speak it, I love my neighbor. Speak it, I love my boss. Speak it, I love my job. Speak it, I love my kinfolk. Speak it, I love my job. I speak it, I love my business. Speak it, I love my children. Speak it, I love the areas that God is opening to me. Speak it, says the Lord. And let the, it become fruitful right now in Jesus' name. Let the waters touch your swamps and marshes right now in Jesus' name. Touch it. Speak it, says the Lord. Speak it. Speak it. Thank you, Master. Speak it. And I can see tough situations in people's lives right now, even in this room. Lord says, easily broken. Easily broken. Very easy. Nothing to be done. You spend all night struggling. Just cast it right now. Cast it right now. Cast it right now on the right side. This water flows from the right side south of the altar. And their water comes from the sanctuary. Thank you, Jesus. Cast it right now. Cast it right now. And expect to see a great harvest. The same kind of harvest that leaders before have seen in places that you thought you could never access. 
influence that you thought you could never receive. The Lord says, the same fish as in from the great sea will now show up at your doorstep. Are you ready to receive mail of great favor? Receive it, says the Lord. You will receive mail. It will say, the mail from my father. Open it with an expectation of great fish showing up at your doorstep. The fish and opportunities that were never available, that you never thought you could stand on the shore. It will come up seeking you. The labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush shall come seeking you, bowing their knees to you, saying, there is God in you. Thank you, Master. The labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush will come seeking you. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord says, resting places for your sons and your daughters is my inheritance that I will give them. So never be concerned concerning your children, for I will give them a resting place. Thank you, Jesus. Trust me. Trust me. Now receive, now receive, receive, receive. Let the rivers flow. Let the river flow towards you and let be touched. Be touched in that area. Remember, this river cannot be crossed and you cannot walk in it. If you are trying to walk in this river, you cannot. You have to let it sweep you. You have to let this river take you. You have to this, let this river tell you what to do and to be taken. Jesus said to Peter, when you were young, you would gird yourself and you would walk where you wished. But when you are old, another will gird you and will take you where you did not wish. That's a picture of righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Another will gird you. And the Lord Jesus Christ is girding you right now. And he will take you to places that you never thought you would want to go. But God says that's where the great fish is. That's where the prosperity is. That's where the healing is. The Lord says, I will take you and I will carry you, says the Lord. Because I will gird you. Receive from me this miracle. If you are willing to receive, there is no limit to the manifestation of my goodness in your life. Lord, we say amen to all your words right now. We say amen to Holy Spirit, to all what you said to us today. And Father, we thank you because all our marshes and our swamps are now healed in Jesus' name. And we receive an abundance of fruitfulness. And our leaf will never wither. And whatever our hand does shall prosper. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever our hand does shall prosper, Lord Jesus. Whatever our hand does shall prosper. We thank you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.